This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Very good, Eddie. It is that time of the week where myself, Ollie Geel, and of course, Australia's third favourite son, Mark Schwarzer, like to sit back and enjoy a bottle of red wine and talk about all things in the world of football. And towards the end of the episode, we will try our very, very best to compare the bottle of wine to a player past or present, uh, which brings me to my first point, Mark. Do you think we're, we've been doing a good job at that recently? Have we? I, th- I personally feel like the last three weeks have been really, really strong with our comparisons. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think they've been pretty good, I have to say. Um, I think, uh, as usual, off the cuff. But for some reason, the last couple of weeks have been better off the cuff than yeah. the ones previous to that. Just, <laughs> I, I get the feeling, this is like, this, we're learning, we're le- I, you know, let's not beat around the bush. We're learning more about wine as we go along as well. You know, keep that in mind. So we're learning yeah, about we different terms and flavours and experiences. So maybe that's why we've got more to go off. I think we do. I think you're right for a change. Um, and yep. yes, that is right. We are learning more. We are enjoying it more. And I suppose the longer the episode goes on for, the more we've, more glasses we've had to drink. And, and it's easier to then Just give flows. a description at the end. Well, look, I'm still decantering, to be honest. But I am going to have a, a really nice wine today. I've gone for the beachfront, California Pinot Noir. So it's a Pinot Noir, uh, of course, grapes <laughs> in the beautiful. <laughs> of course, naturally. <laughs> surprise, surprise there. Oh, dear stitch-up artist. Uh, from the Californian uh, wine region. Now, you've not been there, have you? Just sort of... Oh, have to you? California? I've been to yeah. California. Have you gone up to... I haven't been to the wine area. I have been oh. in the, the wine area, but I've been to California. That'd be... That's bucket list stuff, I would have thought. Yeah. For, for a I wine don't know. Um, Is it Napa? That's California, yes. yeah? yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So, speaking of, which wine have you gone for today? Well, I've gone for a French one, uh, mm-hmm. a Cote de Rune which is always a good one, 2017 Vidal Fleury. Um, and uh, looking forward to this one, actually. I mean, I, I do like a Cote de Rune, I have to say. So it's, uh, it's in the, the Rhone Valley, oldest continuously operating vineyard. There you uh, go. Established wow. in 1781. Um, and uh, it is medium-bodied palate, uh, has fresh and snappy red fruit surrounded by firm and persistent tannins. Ooh. Served alongside uh, ooh, a sausage and a hefty cassoulet. Cassoulet. <laughs> cassoulet. <laughs> cassoulet with duck confit. Oh, ooh. no. Straza. Should we go? Should we go? Let's do it. And then Tassie. Thank you, already. Look, Mark, on that note, big cheers to you. Cheers to you, man. Okay. 
is one word and one word only that I want to discuss. The bonanza. We talked about it last week, the football bonanza on Optus Sport. There was going to be more bloody international football than you could physically poke a stick at, Mark. How have you enjoyed the bonanza so far? Have you got any sleep? I have got some sleep, yeah. And I haven't probably watched as much as I would, would have thought that I wanted to because after, you know, having a little look over the games that were on, you know, yep. you've you got to be a little bit more picky in terms of the games you want to watch because of the fact that the sheer number of games that are on, yep. you can't obviously watch all of them, but you want to get a bit of a, a good idea of, of who's doing what, in particular the big boys when they're playing. Um, oh, well, like North and, Macedonia, and, like that, those sort of yeah, big boys. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so the game that caught my eye uh, was Serbia against Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a, a real interesting game. Obviously, highly controversial. Um, the goal that, that should have been given but wasn't given. And this is what I don't understand. For me, right, I, I know there's, there's a lot of criticism regarding VAR around the world. And, and some of it's justified and some of it's not. Some of it's a complete overreaction. But why is goal line technology a, not a bare minimum? If they're not going to have VAR at every match, which I can understand them not necessarily having the capabilities to do so, the costs involved in everything, but surely goal line technology should be the bare minimum. What physically I mean, do you need for that? Like, is it, is it transportable, do you well, think? Well, it's or? the technology itself. So they obviously need to have the, the equipment on site. They need them to be yeah. fitted to the goals and they need someone monitoring them or some people are monitoring them. But I, I just don't see, you know, it's, it's, there are FIFA World Cups, they, that, uh, World Cup qualifiers. There's too much riding on the games mm. for them not to have that as a bare minimum. Because... What we've seen is, again, another just an awful, awful decision that is not necessarily the official's fault no. because of how quickly it happens, the distance involved, the linesman's unsighted particular, could possibly be, the angle that he's at. Um, I'm, making, I'm making excuses for them, of course, um, because I'm just trying to play, you know, trying to be fair and play devil's advocate. That, that responsibility ultimately should be taken away from them. Hmm. And because of all those reasons, because you can have, you can, you have your sight impaired, you can have, um, it can be, you know, from a distance, a shot from distance, and the linesman's never going to be up in line to be able to judge whether it's gone over the line or not. He's only guessing then from an angle. Mm. So for me, that has to be an absolute bare minimum in, in, in World Cup qualifiers. We're not talking about, okay, Nations League, but, but Nations League is also important because it's, ultimately down the qualification for the Euros for, for teams, you know, for all of them. So for me, every, every, every major tournament should have to have, or even the qualifiers should have to have a bare minimum of goal line technology. I'd be interested to know physically what it is though. Like, is, is it something that could the number be of cameras, transported in a There's case? cameras and the ball you know? has, has a chip in it as well. So yeah. I, I can't imagine it being that much. That's too expensive. And, and yeah. FIFA should be making sure that that's, that's a bare minimum. Uh, like I said, I, I just think those sort of decisions, I thought those decisions were gone, were finished, particularly at international level, top level. Unfortunately, it's not. Um, and of course, for Serbia, it worked in their favour. But it's just not fair. No. It's just not right. You know, and if Portugal were to miss out on qualification, which I don't think they will, um, it's completely unfair and, and wrong in today's, in today's world. The other thing that I thought was completely wrong was Ronaldo's reaction. Brilliant. We, now, we love dummy spits here on the Two Shot Reds. It's, it's up, right do. up there. 
We do. And, and that was Hall of Fame? <laughs> Hall of Fame? What, that, um, at what point, like, does he realise I've gone too far? Mm. You know, I've made, I've, I've made a bit of a, an idiot of myself. Mm. You know, I've, and I think, you know, he talks about disrespecting 10 million Portuguese people by that decision. Or, or, you know, disrespecting or caught them out or, or cheated them. He the said, we, we feel that an entire nation has been harmed. <laughs> yes. So him throwing his captain's arm down, him leading his 10 million people on the floor, under the ground like that was not disrespecting his country, mm. his position as a captain of the, of the team. Double standards, really. So one works for one and not for the other. Not so sure about that. What's, what's worse, throwing the shirt like Shaka did? Or throwing a captain's armband when yeah, you're the, the one. Is, um, yeah. Oh gosh, I think sh- I think definitely the shirt is the worst. Yeah. Absolutely, for for any supporter, I think that's got to be the worst. Um, throwing your captain's armband is also, I think, I think is pretty pretty poor, particularly a player of that that stature. Um, I just I, I don't think walking off the pitch. Yeah, okay, you can walk off the pitch and turn around and run back on again. I, I kind of get that, but you know. In theory, you should be getting the other card for leaving the pitch. Yeah. Um, but just the, 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 the show of complete disrespect and just spoiled being a brat, I thought. Do you associate that with Ronaldo? I, I, over recent years, I, I haven't. And so you know, it was the thing a bit... is, You know, the thing is, right? Cristiano Ronaldo, over the course of time, has, has got a bit of a name for himself for, for convincing officials. That good word penalties should be given, fouls should be given, free kicks should be given, then gets up and winks at people. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, he's, it's a bit of a trademark for Cristiano Ronaldo to do so. So, you know, to, to, to do that and then to now throw his toys out of the pram and, and carry on like he has, I mean, just again, it's a continuation of something that he's done throughout his whole career. Entertaining game, though, ended up uh, two all for between Serbia and Portugal. Jota with a couple of goals as well, which is good to see that he's firing. Because I tell you what, remember early on in the year, we're going, hang on, this guy's unbelievable all of a sudden. Not that he yeah. wasn't at Wolverhampton, but it was exciting to see. So great to see that he's scoring on the highest level for his nation. Yeah. He, I mean, uh, the, the funny one about Wolves was he was never a, quite a regular. Mm. He was always in and out of the side. So it was really, really strange um, why that was the case. And this, I suppose, asked the question, um, he's no doubting a, a, a really good player. So surround him with better quality players, a better squad, maybe a better organised side, maybe a, maybe the style of football that suits him more, and you'll see a better version of that player. Yeah. And Diego Jota at Liverpool is a far better player than he was at Wolves. So it certainly shows, has shown it. Um, and I, I would say probably has been given the opportunity more often to show it. Other game that uh, I'm sure caught your eyes that did uh, most of us um, was the England game. Always interesting to just see what they're doing. You know, it was a pretty stock standard 2-0 win over Albania. There weren't too many surprises from, from that game. Kane, goal and assist. Mason Mount scoring as well. They looked, they looked all right. I'll tell you what, when these three lines fire, they could be a serious force. There's 11 of them though. Well, why would only three of them fire? Three lines which, on a shirt, which, mate. Which three are you talking about? The three about? lines on the shirt. Have you not no. looked at the emblem before? No. Right. Well, that's embarrassing for you. I'll cut that out. No. Okay. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, you know, Gareth Southgate has been criticised in the past playing two holding midfielders. So he elected to go with one this time with Calvin Phillips. And then obviously being, obviously in Declan Rice. So Calvin Phillips was a little bit more advanced. He wasn't as deep sitting. Declan Rice took on that responsibility a little bit more. Um, and then obviously with the front four kind of, so to speak, with Mason, Mount, Foden, Kane, Sterling, they oh. did cause Albania a lot of problems. I mean, Albania did well, I thought, in the first sort of 20, 25 minutes, half an hour. Held out really, really well. They should have taken the lead. Uh, at the very least, should have um, forced Nick Pope into a, into a decent save um, when they were kind of through one-on-one and he blasted over, panicked a little bit, edge of the box. Um, ball was given away. I think it was by uh, Mason Mount trying to, trying to... They won the ball back in a decent area and then he tried to play it back to his own teammate and unfortunately played uh, the, the Albanian player through. Um, but they survived that. Um, and then... Harry Kane, obviously, with a really, really good header, should have had a hat-trick, I think. Mm. You know, a player of Harry Kane's quality, um, the vo- you know, the, the, I think on the half volley as he hits the, the crossbar from about, probably about 10 yards out, and I think one in the second half as well, normally you would kind of, you'd always expect, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Harry Kane, because every time he gets the ball in the A&R box, I just think he's going to score, because he's that yeah. good. Um, and I'm sure he'd be disappointed the fact that he's come off the pitch, not scoring more than one at least because of the chances that he had. However, you know, for, for England, um, I, I think it, you know, it's not, a, it's not the most polished performance, but it was a good performance because those games in the past have caused England, or certainly in years gone by, not necessarily of recent time, but in years before, caused England problems or can cause England problems. The pitch didn't help. Um, the surface of the pitch was really poor. Um, but uh, I thought England did more than enough. And Nick Pope broke the record, was it six games? His first six games for England, not conceding a goal, which is pretty insane. And Take I know that. people will probably, yeah, people will probably go, yeah, but you know, who was it against and, and so forth. It doesn't matter. It's an international game of football. And if he's, his first six games for England, he's not conceded a single goal. I mean, that's, that's some doing. If he sticks around as number one, or certainly if he you know, continues, at least for the time being, he's got to leave. Burnley, you would have thought, there's no way you're sticking around in that scenario. You, you know, so, uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's but, the thing, you know. I mean, if you look at it, right? I don't know. Listen, Everton are, are, are well, certainly in, in as history will know, is used to be a really, really big club. They're still a big club, but they're not, not as not as kind of, uh, haven't been as successful uh, over the last sort of 10, 15 years, at least, as, as they had been previous to that. Um, that will all probably change now that the fact that they've got yeah. the, the, the permission to build their new stadium. And once that's complete and they move into that one, I mean, that goes to another level. Commercially, their resources, their ability to attract players, I think will go to another level altogether. Um, so, you know, and you've got Jordan Pickford playing for them, who's been the regular number one for England. The question is, you know, how long, however long, I mean, obviously Jordan Pickford is not going to be back for this, the next game. If, and Nick Pope's, well, my understanding is going to be playing the, the, the next game as well. And if he plays well, it's a, it's a big question that, um, or a big decision that uh, Gareth Southgate has to, has to make. I guess, unless um, Jordan Pickford doesn't come back and he struggles to be fit between now and in the season, uh, or, he, or he has a, a bit of a shocker, other than that, I think he'll still stick with Jordan Pickford because he said it in the past, even when Jordan Pickford wasn't playing well. And I think the last couple of months, last three or four months, I think Jordan Pickford's been arguably in his best form or mm. certainly back to the form, possibly when he was at Sunderland at times, even though it's hard to judge because Sunderland were always backs to the wall, always under a lot of pressure and he was still conceding a lot of goals, but making a lot of saves. So 
Um, and and uh, like I said, the last couple of months, I thought that Jordan Pickford, Pickford was showing some really good form and some real consistent form. Um, and Gareth has said in the past that he's never made a mistake for England. He's never let England down and he's always played well when he's played for England. So bearing that in mind, at the time when he went through his probably his, his, his worst period where he was making mistakes, conceding goals, but, in, but he was still picking him for England, why wouldn't he continue it once Jordan Pickford gets back fit again? I was going to say he does. He, he does seem to play really well for England, but I'm like, why? Is it because you know he's got a better defence in front of him, or is there something you know mentally that that shifts when you you're away from the club, you're away from the you know the pressure of the Premier League, and you get to play for your country? Do you reckon a bit of column A, a bit of column B going on there, or? Yeah, I, I'm not really quite sure. Um, well, certainly he's played a lot, lot more games for Everton than he has for England. That's yeah. first and foremost. You're there, it's your, you know, that's your week, week in, week out. That's your team. And, and therefore, the more games you play, the, there are more opportunities to make mistakes, of course. But there's also sure. a flip side of that to, to play really well. Um, with England, you know, you're kind of stopping starting all the time. And then you can go through a period of going to a World Cup, for example, and you might play six, seven games. And it's kind of... Once you get on a little bit of a run, you know, you, you can kind of get through that okay. Um, he certainly hasn't made any, any, any um, major mistakes playing for England. But then I wouldn't necessarily go about and say that he's been amazing for England all the time. He's, he's had some really good games, no doubt about it. But it's not like you come away every time he plays for England and go, wow, he's been incredible. Do you, when you talk about the top four or five, say four or five goalkeepers, say, okay, let's even say top six goalkeepers in Europe. Mm. Would Jordan Pickford come into mind? No, no, no. not even and close. He'd be a, probably a long way off it. So you know that that is certainly with England a worry. I would think um, the fact that you know I think Nick Pope adds a little bit different to the side. So he's he's certainly not as good with his feet as Jordan Pickford is. Certainly not as confident with his feet. Not that he's a bad player with the ball at his feet because he he actually showed the other night. Yeah, he knocked one out, and the commentator started straight away going on to about well. Yeah, he's not Jordan Pickford. Well, of course he's not. He, he is a different goalkeeper. In the second half, when a couple of balls came into the box, yes, once he collided with Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire got his big head in the way. That can happen. Maybe the, 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 hear, you know, the, the, the call was slightly late. Who knows? Or Harry Maguire just didn't hear the call. But he certainly registered because he didn't go for the next one when, when Nick Pope came out yeah. and obviously called for it. So my point is, those sort of balls are what Nick Pope does well. He comes out and, dem- and commands that area far, far better than Jordan Pickford does, and Dean Henderson for that matter. So, what Nick Pope has over Henderson and Pickford is his ability to dominate his own yard box is far, far, far more superior than the other two. Back to back to my point. Um, I, I'm I am a big fan of Nick Pope because I think he's got. I think overall he's a better rounded goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jordan Pickford's better with his feet. They're all, and Dean Henderson's slightly better than Nick Pope with his feet. Is he as that much better as Nick Pope is so much better than both of those at taking the ball in the NR box, high, high crosses, balls into the box? I think Nick Pope is quite a, a, a long way ahead of the other two in that area. Uh, lastly, on England as well, I'd love to get your thoughts on the fact that the England under 21 squad is jam packed with talent. There are so arguably, you know, on paper, you think that I mean, the under-21 squad will be better than the current squad. Like, there are some seriously exciting players for the future. But they're the bottom of their group, which for their, for their um, 
Euro qualifiers, which is very, very odd. We've, we've seen two games, in fairness, and some tough teams in there, Switzerland, Croatia and Portugal. You know, it's not a, not a totally easy group. But what are your thoughts on that? that that's got to be a surprise that they're, that they're left on zero points after two games. Um, one, one side of me is a little bit surprised. However, it's Croatia, Portugal and Switzerland, Switzerland. in their yeah. group. Particularly Croatia and Portugal, renowned for producing young, young talented players, like really, really top class. They're no, they're no mugs. Switzerland have produced some really good players, particularly over the last couple of years. Or well, certainly over for, for a longer period of time, actually. So why do people think it's just England is going to produce some decent kids mm-hmm. and, and do well? Let's also not forget how many under-21 players are actually not there mm. that should be there. Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yep. Um, uh, Hudson-Odoi pulled out on the day of the game. Mason Greenwood pulled out because he was injured. That's five uh, Jaden Sancho, six. Um, Jude Bellingham from, from, from Dortmund, that's seven. So there's a couple more I've missed. Sacco, eight. So that's eight players he's missing. I mean, that's a serious team. That's Those a very players. serious side. Yeah. So, so I, listen, that, that's the defense for A.D. Boothroyd is that he's doing, he's got a really tough task because he's losing players left, right, and center to the, to the national team which ultimately is your number one priority for the, first, for the national team to do well. I just wonder whether or not they should have done a balancing act, whether they should have, for these games, played their strongest under-21 side. Mm-hmm. The England national team would be, have sufficient talent still to beat the likes of Albania and San Marino mm-hmm. without Phil Foden, Mason Mount. It just goes to show you their, their priority is not with the under-21s to be successful. But then people complain very quickly when they don't do so well. When you look at all those players that are missing, yes, they've got some, still some talented players. You know, Smith Rose there, uh, Tom Davies played, um, the Session brothers. But then you could argue and say, well, neither of the Sessions have really burst onto that next level. They've done, no. you know, Stephen did particularly well in the championship. Um, Ryan hasn't really had an opportunity to, to play in the, in the championship that often. He's had to go out and loan away from Fulham. Now he's in the championship. Stephen's away in Germany. Um, ben Goffrey, hugely talented player, has done, done really well whenever given an opportunity at Everton. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale has probably been Sheffield United's outstanding, you know, most outstanding player, but they're bottom of the table. Um, the ones that surprised me is Curtis Jones, Eze on the bench. Mm. Why are those guys not playing? That, that, I, don't, I don't quite understand that. Todd Cantwell's on the bench. So they're, they're full of some really talented players, but I don't think uh, Conor Gallagher on the bench. These guys didn't start, which really kind of surprises me. Um, so I do feel for them, but I also think they still should be doing better with the side that they have. Now let's stay in that part of the world um, and Bayern Munich's, uh, you know, what is, I know you've got, well, I know for a fact you've got two posters of Bayern Munich players in your room. I know that for an absolute fact. I don't know if this guy is up on your wall at all, but uh, Lewandowski, I, I, I probably assume you've got a spot for him um, somewhere. Um, he's injured himself for Poland and he's going to be out for the England game. He's got a really 
rally. I think he'll be out for Bayern Munich's next Champions League game, uh, which is frustrating because Poland, England, Kane versus Lewandowski, that would have been an unbelievable battle. A little bit like when we watched Dortmund uh, Bayern Munich a couple of weeks ago and we were able to see... Holland and Lewandowski was it was, yeah, the only it was thing exciting. I, I, it's a little bit lopsided. I mean, Lewandowski is a far better striker. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a little bit lopsided in terms of the team the level of the teams because you know I think England certainly on paper are far superior. So yeah, the argument will be well, the argument could have been or could be well that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to win it and win it comfortably. And, and and it's right, it doesn't mean that necessarily. But I still think. The service Harry Kane will receive will be far more more frequent than, say, Robert, Robert Lewandowski will receive against each other. So, not necessarily against the lesser opposition, but against each other. Um, but having him out of out of the the Poland side, obviously, it takes on a completely different look, doesn't it? And and you're, you know, you're generally you're losing the best striker on the planet right now at this moment, and actually has been for for a number of years now. So yeah, it's a huge loss. Um, but I certainly believe he's more effective um, playing for, for Bayern Munich than he is playing for Poland. Mm. Um, or certain, more effective, more valuable. I don't know. No, I mean, the argument says he, he is also equally as valuable, if not more valuable for Poland, because he's such a standout player and probably streaks ahead of anyone else in that, in that position for them. So I suppose I'm, 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 I'm downplaying that a little bit, but I think in terms of success, he's able to achieve with Bayern is far greater than he can with Poland because Poland are generally not as competitive or certainly nowhere near competitive at international level as, as Bayern Munich is domestically or on, on the European scene in terms of club football. Um, so yeah, huge loss and it's going to be a bigger loss for Bayern than it is going to be for Poland, I think. Sticking with Poland, who are you picking? Uh, Chesney or Fabianski? Flip of a coin. Gosh. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? And and they've tended to sort of swap and change, haven't they? Kind of bend yeah. back and forth with who they pick. Um, listen, I, I I am I think uh, Fabianski is a very very good goalkeeper. Um, Chesney obviously has found his place in Italy. He's obviously well respected there and has done well. Uh, the games I've seen him play in the Champions League, um, I've never quite seen him play a game-winning performance for Juve. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not saying he hasn't done it. I just haven't seen it. Um, and I hold my hand up. I don't watch every game that Juve plays, but I've watched a fair amount of them and I've been there live in the same to watch him play. And he doesn't strike me or give me a lot, a lot of confidence. And I don't look at him and go, he is world-class. I think he's a good goalkeeper and he's done really well in Italy. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I would, I would pick Fabianski. Really? Yeah. He's having a good season as well. He's yeah, so important he's, for West Ham. He's done. He's done really, really well for the. And you know, for, since he's left Arsenal, you know, when he went to Swansea, he had an opportunity to play week in, week out, and he was a big reason why Swansea stayed in the league for those number of seasons that he was firstly there. And obviously left after I think when they got relegated, and then he went to uh, to West Ham, and he's been brilliant for them. And he's been hammer of the reason. year in his first year. Well, he's been a big reason why West Ham also stayed in the league, but also now are playing. Mm-hmm at the other end of the table, which is absolutely huge. Um, and uh, that's probably the reason why I'd pick him ahead of, ahead of uh, Chesney. Won't be long, I promise. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search The Gig and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D, The Gig and Pod. 
Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Mark, have I ever told you about the time uh, that I met Chesney? No, I don't think you did. Now, this was the first time I had ever met a Premier League player. It was my first okay. trip to, to England. And I had been to uh, Arsenal, Southampton, I reckon it was FA Cup game. I was with my mate. And if you haven't been to a game in London, uh, like you, you can imagine as well, you've got 60,000 people all leaving the stadium at once. The, the tubes. Like 15 minutes to go. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Actually, I'll give you that one. Yeah, no, that was good. Uh, all the tubes are just clogged, and you just for us, we just walk around for a bit. Maybe go go to a you know a bar somewhere, or you know get some food. Or... To the point, I, I want to say like an hour after the game, and then I see these two girls running and crying, and I thought, oh guys, you know, I don't know, you know, don't be silly, you know, it's fine. Um, and then it turns out that they had just met Chesney, and I went, where is he? And he goes, in that car up there, you know, typical Matt Black kind of, yep. you know, footballer's car. And, it, and I was seriously like, you were one of those like an eight-year-old. Down the street. Yep. Ran no up, way. ran up and he ran down his window and went, yeah, cheers. And then my mate took the photo. So he's got the photo of him with Chesney. And then you just see my eye in the back of the shot because <laughs> he had to run it onto the, onto the road. It was a real just get in, get out. So oh, I've got wow. like the worst photo in the world with, with Chesney. Um, so one day if you ever come across him again, you go show him that photo and go, remember when we had this photo taken? You go. And you go, mm, no, 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 I'm the one with the eye. The eye. Yeah, the <laughs> eye. It's honestly, you'll, 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 uh, you'll wet yourself. It's a classic. Yeah, he'll, remember, so. he'll remember you by your eye. Absolutely. It was, uh, mate, it was disappointing. But good to, you know, get the monkey off the back and meet my first, you know, footballer. You know, brief, Yes. Was it a crap photo? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, at the time, it was a very exciting occasion. Of course, you know? I can imagine. Yeah, In I, the I'm wild as well. It. Like, not oh, to do with work. Like, just, you know, a I'm rare excited sighting. for you as well. Mm, well, have you met Chesney? Have you got a yes. photo? At... I played against him. Met him. Mm. Played against him. Beat him. Did you, get, oh, did you get his shirt? No. Why? You collect shirts, don't you? No, I, have, I think I have, actually. Yeah, I, how much do you want? a Fabianski one as well. How much do you want? You can have it. Rubbish. <laughs> no. Take that back. No, no right. you can't have it. Now, Mark, as much as we love the Bonanza, and we did, and we do, we've still got a, you know, another few days of it. It's very exciting. We also do like our Premier League. Yeah, that's our bread and butter. That, that's, that's, what, that, that's what gets us up in the morning. That and then a nice Shiraz are the two things that go, that's what life is about. Uh, and we've got who's saying that he's having an opinion on why right now. Yeah, well, I didn't get up for that. I got up for for this, <laughs> but then tomorrow I will get up. Yeah, you know, with the you know with the thinking that I'll probably have a Shiraz at lunch. So that okay, is what cool. will get me up tomorrow. Uh, but stuff. we do have some some good games to look forward to uh, coming up on the weekend. So I just want to in the second half, you just want to focus on on a few little games. There's there's a, a, two whoppers that I'm really excited for. Leicester taking on Man City. And Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, which will be a ripper. Let's just start, uh, though, with Chelsea and West Brom. I'm interested to see how West Brom will go post, you know, having, having a little bit of a period off. Do you, do you think we'll see a level of improvement, considering as well that so many of Chelsea's first team have been away and playing? No. That, no? Okay. No, no. I, I think they're gone. I think they. I mean, listen. It's not not to say that they won't put up a fight and everything else, but they're gone. Oh, I can't see. 
All right. If, if I'm wrong, come on, please say it. Tell me whatever. Send me a message. You're wrong. Can't you don't know? You have no idea. I think they're gone. Right. Yeah. They're, I mean, obviously, Sheffield United are gone, and and they're gone. The only team that has a hope of staying up is is uh, Fulham. They're the only ones, and I, I even I'm worried for them now because the performance that was more about the, the performance against Leeds. The overall performance was poor, even though I felt that they still could have easily got something out of the game but I thought their performance itself was poor. Two points off Newcastle now, uh, Fulham. So they're on 26, Newcastle 28, and then Brighton now, they've done very well. Now they're on 32. So they're looking, yep. you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a decent buffer there. Uh, but Newcastle are looking shaky. They really are. I don't... My, my, gut, and my gut says Fulham, and I'm sure your heart and head probably does say Fulham will be safe. Yeah. Um, listen, Brighton are not safe by any means, nor are Burnley, nor are Southampton. I think Wolves are, are fine now. Um, I think 35 is kind of enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Fulham have got a lot to do. Newcastle, obviously, the ones that are in the, the immediate threat and, and have had a disaster. And they've got a, a, another tricky fixture on the weekend at home to, to Tottenham. You kind of don't really know which Tottenham team is going to turn up. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a big challenge. But I, th- I think Tottenham overall will still be too strong. However, Newcastle will have Callum Wilson back, which will make a big difference for them. Um, so, Maxima, I'm not quite sure when he's back, but he, he would be a huge boost for them as well if he would be mm. fit. Um, Fulham, away to Villa. You could argue and say, well, Villa will feel, right, they're safe. You know, nothing really to play for. Um, yeah, they can move up the table a little bit. Yeah, they're not mathematically out of the out of the hunt for a European place, and they'll be trying to push them on and trying to get them up uh, higher up the table. But it's those games against teams that are sort of mid-table, safe. It's it's hard for some of these players. That or if they have had players away on international duty, they just that little bit extra tiredness creeps in. There's the pressure's off slightly. There's a different objective now. The thing is about Villa is they'll more than likely have um, uh, Jack Willish back and he's huge for them. And that's unfortunate for Fulham because I think he'll make the big difference. So thoroughly looking forward to, as I said, uh, two games in particular, Leicester taking on Man City. I'm going to put on record now. I reckon Ian Acho is going to put on an absolute clinic against his former side. I cannot yeah. wait for it. It, listen, it would be a brave man to bet against him because of the run of form that he's been in recently. However, if a team's going to stop him from scoring, it's Manchester City. Yeah. Because they've shown this season they can win games 1-0. Um, you know, it goes without saying, this is a huge test for Leicester to see where they are. I, and, and it's obviously, it's Man City's to lose. Um, that's how good a side they are. Leicester have kicked on. Um, this, this is a moment because it could be one of those ones where Leicester, if they were to lose the game, could go on a bit of a a downer. Um, but so far, they haven't shown any signs of that. You know, every time they've had a couple of bad results, they pick themselves up again. It is Man City. So uh, to, a, to a degree as well for Leicester, it's a little bit of a free hit, but it's also a great opportunity to see where they are. They have to be able to judge themselves, gauge themselves of how far have they come? What, what, where are they? How far are behind are they of the likes of Man City who are clearly the best side in the Premier League? But how big a gap is that between them and Leicester? Um, so there is a lot, lot to play for, obviously, um, and for Leicester to try and, again, cement that position in, in a Champions League place, one that they missed out on last season. You know, 
so dramatically and, and the fall from grace was huge. Arsenal taking on Liverpool, I'm going to say, for the first time in a long time, I'm actually quietly confident about this game for Arsenal. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's, that's where you probably come unstuck, mate, um, <laughs> when you get a little bit too confident. Yeah, um, yeah. Particularly as an Arsenal fan. Cocky, yeah. I think the word is there, yeah. <laughs> potentially. Listen, I, I get where you're coming from, um, but you just can't write Liverpool off, can you? You know, you can't, even though they've, for them, you know, and what we've expected and how good our, our Liverpool have been over the last couple of years. And you kind of look at it and go, geez, they're miles away from being that good. But that doesn't mean they're a bad side because no. how, how good that good was, was so good that now just being okay is still very, very good. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the drop has been quite significant, but they're still a very good side. Yeah. Um, and to think that, you know, obviously they're not in the, in the Champions League positions and that's going, to be, that's going to be a huge battle for them. You know, have they got enough? Will they be able to make on it? This is a game they need to win. They need to, they need to win against Arsenal to, to keep biting on those heels. We said Tottenham are away at, at Newcastle. So there is a chance they may drop something. So if Liverpool can get that win, they can sit back a little bit and go, okay, right, now it's up to you, Spurs, to, to kick on again and try and pick up another result mm. um, and, and justify being, being above us on the table. Then you look, at, you, know, you look at West Ham and you think, okay, West Ham have got a tricky fixture away at Wolves on Monday night. Mm. So that all of a sudden is then at fifth, fifth place. So they could find themselves in a, in a, you know, clutching, clutching, sort of catching up to the oh. Europa League place. They could be actually in fifth place if the results go their way. If they beat, if they beat um, Arsenal, Liverpool, West Ham and Spurs lose, Liverpool are in, are in fifth place. And then depending on what happens with Chelsea, Chelsea against West yeah. Brom, I think Chelsea will beat West Brom. So that gap will still be there. That gap will then jump. That, that gap will be um, up, up to five points. But at least they're closing those places. At least they've got a European place at that moment in time. Now, finally, just on that game between Arsenal and Liverpool, I'm not sure if you've seen, but there has been a few reports coming out of Liverpool's camp, Mark, that they are going in, finalising, or at least have agreed to terms, for RB Leipzig centre-back, Konate. Yeah. Tell me about it. Now, you, you, oh. you know everything. Yeah. Everything, but specifically about Bundesliga. You're all over it, like a flannel. Oh, what, I, what I like about him... Um... He's strong, he's robust, uh, physical, he's really strong in the air. But he's also very good with the ball at his feet. Um, He's somebody that doesn't dive in a lot. He sits back, he reads the game well, he's well organised, stays on his feet a lot, he's quick. Um, Yeah, just what you'd you'd want from a really top quality defender. I've said it before, I actually think he's a... I I like him, I prefer him to Upamakana. Oh, so this is your man. Yes, we've talked about it. Right, okay. Yeah, so I, you, I prefer you him to Ubi right. in the games that I've seen him play for RB Leipzig, which has been quite a lot of games, um, he Ubi gets dragged out of position a lot, dives in a lot. Um, he's somebody that always looks to try and get there before the attacker rather than reading it better. I mean, it's time certainly wanting to be on the front foot and engage and try and cut out that cross or that ball. Um, trying to apply pressure on someone, you know, timing that, that, that run to put in the challenge as they've turned with the possession of the ball. Whereas Ubi Meccano, for me, actually 
is too much always on that front foot, always trying to get there first, always trying to read something, and that's not always going to work for you. Um, McCann is certainly more threat going forward because he finds himself more often in the other opposition's half, uh, in the in the, the ADR box, particularly on set, set plays. Um, but Konata equally is a really good target. I, I, I think he's just a more, he's more control about his game. Mm. Just seems a little bit more mature. Uh, is he say. good enough to start for Liverpool? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I would play him. If you had Van Dijk and Konata, I'd play them next week. I mean, I know Joe Gomez is a really good player, but I, I think Konata is, a, is, a, is a, uh, an upgrade. I think we've run out of time, Mark, here on the two sharp reds. And it's, you know, it's disappointing because obviously that means that's, you know, my favourite part of the week, done and dusted. And it's yeah, a Monday. Right. So now I've got the rest of the week to go. <laughs> How depressing yeah. is that? You know. Well, yeah, for some it will be depressing. Um, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, the positive is you'll be going away from this with a spring in your step, you know, having such a mm. wonderful yeah. hour or so of us discussing all things football. Good point. Feeling a little bit tipsy, um, joyful yep. with a, a glass of red or yep. two or three. And, um, you know, put you in a good mood for the rest of the week. So, I mean, it really, it depends. I mean, you sound like you're a half-glass empty man. Well, normally I'm a, I'm a decanter uh, definitely half-full. Absolutely. Uh, see, I certainly am always a half-full. Yeah, you are, aren't you? Yeah, you're like yeah. a Labrador. Uh, now, Mark, very much enjoyed my, my California Pinot. Beautiful fruity aromas of cherry, some raspberry. There's a bit of pomegranate in there. Uh, and your favourite, vanilla oak spice. Where uh, That has become a bit of a favourite here in the Two Shut Reds, the vanilla oak spice. Um, and look, they recommend that I were, would eat this with either a roast chicken, which goes against everything I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know that doesn't make sense, does it? You're supposed to have a white wine with chicken. But there you go. Or a duck. And a duck is my favourite of all the meats. So, is it really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your absolute favourite at any meat? Look, I could... Pork is a serious challenger to that. But, but yeah, yeah I, I'd, say, I'd say it would be. And a nice Asian style, a nice duck pancake, Peking duck, yeah, some no, hoisin sauce. I, 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 think I, it's... I do love that bit, but I wouldn't say it's my absolute favourite. That's okay. Each to their own, yeah. mate. You know, that's fine. I, I grew up, we, we had our own ducks and geese, and we used to, once a year, take them off down to the uh, abattoir and, and then fill the freeze up with them. I absolutely loved them. You know, you, you bred them, you looked after them, fed yeah. them, had a great life. And then, obviously, yeah. you know, you, 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 you ate them at the end, and they were delicious, absolutely delicious. <laughs> so I've always loved duck, geese, all that sort yeah. of stuff. Is it my favourite? Mm, no, not my favourite, but it's, it's up there. I, I, to be fair, there's not many meats that I don't like. No, exactly. Exactly. So, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And talk me through your, your French wine. Live up to um, standard? Yeah, no, very nice. Always is. When, whenever I have a, a um, uh, I was going to say Cote d'Or. <laughs> Cote d'Or. <laughs> Every time I have a Thibaut. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, Cote d'Or. Uh, it's a Vidal. Vidal, see? Vidal Fleury. 2017. <laughs> um, very nice. Very, uh, you know, again, Pretty, pretty robust, pretty full of, a lot of flavours, pretty strong. Um, it says here medium-bodied, but for me, because I'm a Pinot man predominantly, it is um, pretty full-bodied, even though it says a medium-bodied. Um, really rich, beautiful colours. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I've really, really, really enjoyed it, and it's something that uh, I will certainly be going back to. Mm-hmm. So would you like to go first or shall I? I'll let you go first, mate. Thank you. Uh, so this one, 
pretty stock standard for me. Look, I, I, I knew pretty early on. Um, it's it's different, and it's uh, look. I don't think it's very typical this wine um, for a few reasons, no. but but mainly because it's not ma- you know what it's supposed to be matched with doesn't make sense to me. Um, so it's different. Uh, now this player makes sense to me. Don't get me wrong, but he's different. He's a different mould. He's from a different generation, in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, he's just not uh, your typical footballer. So typically, you don't match this this wine with, or you wouldn't match red wine with chicken. And that makes it different. And I also think as well because it's a Californian red, generally they're quite sweet. Um, this one's not sweet at all. So you think it's going to be very sweet, but actually it's not that sweet. And this player comes across like a sweetheart and very loving, great ambassador for the game, which he is. But I think there needs to be an inquest as to some of his dodgy manoeuvres on the field. I think he can be a bit dirty. So he's not as sweet as you would expect. And of course, as with most, you know, really nice Californian wines, has a really, really great long finish. And this guy is not there yet, but he is going to have one hell of a, a long ending to his career if he can get his injuries under control, which I'm sure he can. He's going to have a very fine and a very long finish. I'm going for Mr. Harry Kane. Oh, okay. I reckon he's dirty as, but he comes across very, very sweet and innocent. He's a diver. Like tunnel people, dirty. like get no, under. I don't think he's dirty. I think he's just, he's a proper competitor. Um, so I don't think he's in, by any means intentional. I think he'll just go in full-bodied. Um, and make that challenge and see the ball and all this is is the ball. But he does come it. across like he's a, he's innocent, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, everyone does that to a degree, but I, I get where you're going with it. Okay. Yeah, I get where you're going. Thank you. It. Yeah, I give it to yeah. you. It's fine. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you're right. Talk, talk to me about your couture. So my 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 wine, um, very enjoyable. Pretty 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 full body. Pretty strong flavors. Cote de Rune, which I always find, I always really enjoy it. You know, traveling through France, stopping at various campsites or supermarkets, buying my produce. Cote de Rune's always right up there. Can't generally go wrong with one. It's a Vidal Fleury and uh, 2017. And it reminds me of a player when I played, I played with him at Middlesbrough back in the day. And he was a French player that we signed and no one had heard of him. And he kind of played a couple of... Uh, top division in France. Um, I think he was at Lille uh, when we signed him, I think. can't remember exactly. Um, and uh, he's someone that came out with, with no real name. No one knew him that much, but I think he had a trial with us, did really, really well, and they signed him. Um, he was a, a left fullback. He was certainly very, very snappy at people's mm-hmm. heels. Snappy at the challenge, full, full-bodied, full-blooded but had a bit of class about him. Um, hence having the, the duck comfit, cassoulet, um, bit of uh, Lyonnaise sausage with it. And he was someone that uh, had a little bit of extra class to him as well, brought a little bit of class to the change room, that French influence, liked his red wine. And in those days, people were drinking mostly pints of beer and everything else. And this guy, yeah. I don't have a glass of red wine. And uh, he was someone that I thought was a really good player, had a really good left foot, had a little bit of a nasty streak to him as well at times. Um, did get himself in trouble a few times on the pitch, had a few red cards, hence the snappiness um, to him. And for me, full-bodied, full-blooded, yep. running the challenges. A player that you probably never even heard of. Go on then. A guy by the name of Frank Quadru. No, nah, never heard of him. Left back. Never heard of up. him. 
went to the Europa League final with him, or UEFA Cup final with him, played at left back for, for Middlesbrough. Well, shame on good me. Guy. Shame really on me. Well. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll do some Googling. Yeah, you should, mate. 122 games for Middlesbrough. Mark, uh, in a very enjoyable episode. I appreciate it. Um, sit back, relax, have a great week. Enjoy the, the rest of the bonanza. Oh, mate, uh, it's absolutely sport. roasting out here today. We're getting up to highs of 19 degrees. Tomorrow will be 21. Are you actually? Certainly no, you're not. Are. I'm certainly, I'm telling you. Well, that's not good. That's just global warming because there's and no tomorrow, way London should be... I'm going to have a, a nice uh, roast leg of lamb. After this, I'm going to go and marinate it. And oh. put it in the, uh, I've got a, not the green egg, I've got an orange egg. So Is it different? to Ceramic, it's the same just, thing. Just, okay. a, just orange. Ceramic, you know, bowl yeah, thing. Yeah. That you, oh, yeah, don't worry. Egg kind of shape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charcoal, put a bit of lamb in there. Marinate it. You know how to live. For a couple of hours. You know how to live. Well, enjoy that, Mark. And I'll, I'll look forward to the WhatsApp messages that you send of it. I'll take a picture of it. No problems. I'll send it to you. And hopefully you are jealous because I am certainly jealous <laughs> of what you're up to these days. <laughs> Cheers, Mark. Cheers, mate. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.